Episode eight, we are here with a sip with the dudes. We only got two dudes today, just me and my good buddy Dalton Cohey, Austin Pace. Unfortunately, it was a little busy tonight, but it's not a big deal because I'm sure we'll have an episode eventually without either me or Cohey. So we're just going to keep it rolling, keep it going, and make sure we're putting out an episode a week. Um, today, we're going to talk about MLB briefly, and then we're going to go into college football week two and NFL opening week. And it was a pretty eventful week in sports, so hope you guys are ready. I'm gonna throw it to Bubba for MLB. What's up, my dudes? Uh, like he said, you know we're without our third leg, Mr. Austin Pace. Uh, really hate to see if you find him. Please return to us. Uh, nowhere to be found. You know the kids lost. He's out there grinding with kids. Uh, you can't can't knock him there. Getting in some lessons, some baseball coaching. Got to love that. Now, some action we got to talk about. I will represent his Braves for him. Uh, they are seventy six and sixty seven, and the Phillies, lucky for them, have lost two straight. Back to back L's are going to help out the Braves a lot because the Braves did lose tonight. Uh, it's ten thirty on Tuesday, September fourteenth. Just to let y'all know what kind of MLB I'm talking about. It's going to be important for us to date it all with everything shaping up, especially the NL wild card. Uh, I'm sitting here with the Cardinals game on right now. And like I said, it's Tuesday night. And if anyone watched this game, it's been insane. It's the 11th, bottom of the 11th right now. They're playing the Mets, 7-4 Cardinals lead. And it's just been a crazy, crazy game. I'm not going to dive into a play-by-play, but it's just starting to get that feeling that if you're paying attention to these teams that are on the – you know, on the edge of making it, it's starting to – you're starting to get that vibe. We got pinch hit, pinch hit, big hits happening late in the game, stuff like that. Uh, with that being said, the Cardinals, Reds, and Padres are all tied for that second spot right now. Padres have lost four straight. They're trailing now. Uh, Reds have lost three straight, and the Cardinals going for their fourth straight win if they can hold on, hold on to this three-run lead in the 11th. I get a lot of talk being a Cardinals fan. They're that lucky team that just sneaks their way in, and they they really do. And out of the teams that have a chance for that second spot in the wild card, it would not shock me if the Cardinals were that one team to, you know, just bullshit their way and sneak in and end up upsetting that number one wild card spot, which, as we've talked about, it's going to be either the Giants or the Dodgers. And, you know, it would it would be – a really tough break for either one of them teams. Both of them, the Giants already clinching a playoff spot at 94 and 50. Dodgers being 92 and 53. They have a 17 game lead in the wild card. So it would just be super unfortunate for them. But one of the most baseball things to happen if a little above 500 St. Louis Cardinals or even Padres or Reds get in there and end up beating them. And as far as the AL side goes, Man, Tampa Bay is still cruising at 90 and 55. G's White Sox got a little shaky there for a stretch, still 82 and 61 leading the division. And the Strohs also leading their division 84 and 60. Man, the AL East is just holding it down as far as the whole AL goes. And really just a league as a whole, their division is insanely tough. Yankees hold Yankees and Toronto actually are tied for the wild card spot. 
And then the Red Sox just half a game out. So that's that's just insane to think all – you know, they're going to have three teams in the wild card spot. More than likely, Seattle's trying to hang on two and a half games out. But it's just – it's nice to – we're getting that feeling where it sucks that baseball is getting shadowed now by football. But, you know, if you're paying attention right now, it's it's turning into playoff baseball and it's right around the corner. So I'm really excited for that, especially if, you know, Paces, Braves, G's, White Sox, they both look like they're going to for sure, you know, get a spot in the playoffs. And if the Cardinals could do it as well, I know that'll make it a lot more fun with all three of our teams being in the uh, being in the playoff picture this year. But that's really all we're going to hit on MLB. Look for it to spice up some more the closer we get to October. And uh, man, I'm, I'm hoping the Cardinals can sneak in there. College football time, you know what time it is. Everybody's hyped for it. Everybody wants to hear about it. And I know somebody who wants to talk about it. So I'm going to throw it to Dalton Cohey, and he's going to get us started. Yes, sir. My best bud right there knows me best. He knows this is my favorite time of the year. Uh, had to coach a little baseball this past weekend. And, man, as soon as I got done, flew home, called as many games as I possibly could, was checking my phone nonstop. And, man, it's just I can't get over the fact of how much I just love Saturdays this time of the year got a girlfriend and she kind of understood pretty quick that sat. I mean, this is all my Saturdays consist of. And it's all it's going to consist of the rest of the year. It's awesome. It's jam packed with games. I don't know how y'all don't just love it. I get it. Some guys are NFL over college, maybe so not this guy. So let's dive into it. Uh, I'm going to start off with some sec football and going to kind of talk some not so meaningful games. Uh, we had Bama defeat Mercer 48-14. Just an easy, smooth sailing, especially with a big game coming up, going to the Swamp. Really not sure how game day didn't hit that one. Bad mistake on them, in my opinion. Nonetheless, Bama cruises there. Bryce Young throws for like 223 tutties, I think. Maybe 230, somewhere in that range. Uh, LSU beats McNeese State 34-7. And one about this one was – no shit, it was a must win, but, you know, the poor performance still, 18 for 27, 160 yards from Johnson for LSU, and Ordron, he's he's in trouble. There's there's a lot more chatter already going around. Uh, I think I think they're running into troubles in Baton Rouge. I think they're realizing, you know, as we've stated several times on this podcast, that this this lightning in the bottle Joe Burrow team is coming becoming more more and more true each week and they play a central Michigan team this week. And then they go to Starkville where I will be in attendance the following weekend. And I think, you know, after this central Michigan cupcake, they're going to see really quick if, if Oregon's even going to survive this season. And gee, I was just wondering, do you think with the buyout they have, I think it, uh, I mean, I know it's over 50 million. It could be well over that maybe 60, 70, 80, but do you think he survives the season or do you think he's one that just grounded out except it's a bad year and then, you know, go from it in the offseason? I think maybe if it's a different team that they can accept and, and move on and try to rebuild. But I don't think that LSU is that type of program. And with, especially with them being such a recruiting destination and one of the biggest – I mean, obviously one of the biggest teams in the, in the NCAA – so I don't think the buyout is really as much of a problem as people think it is, especially with the ability for boosters to be able to pay whatever they want now. I mean, it's not like they have to 
wait something out. And I'm sure there's some type of clause in there for Orgeron if he gets let go or something. He doesn't have to get the certain amount of buyout or whatever. I just think that, man, I think he's on his way out this year. I, I don't see any way around it. If if they keep him, that's that's their mistake, I guess. But if I were an LSU fan, I want him out this year. And I, I think that you can agree with that as well. Yeah, and that's kind of what I agree with. That as far as the buyout is, like that number is obviously huge, and they hate to hear it. But like you said, the the skill level of Orjon and his coaching ability is more why I would be requesting, you know, a new coach or a new new find or whatever. And you know, it's going to be impossible to uh, to keep him in as recruiting as much as LSU. You know, their eyes they would like to. He's a great recruiter. He's He's established that, but, you know, it just doesn't work that way as far as being able to fire a head coach or move him to a recruiting role when he was just the head guy, won you a national championship. You know, it's just not going to work that way. Tough uh, tough vibes down there in Baton Rouge. Uh, I, th- I think they're in trouble. I think they're in a lot more trouble than they're admitting. Uh, I think this year can be really bad for them as far as SEC record goes. I think that could potentially potentially be the worst team in the West. Honestly, after we see we see Arkansas, uh, Ole Miss's elite with Matt Corral, they're a top twenty caliber team. Obviously, as they've proven, uh, I think State has a really good chance as far as their defense keeping them in some games when other teams' offense doesn't fire on all cylinders. I think State's offense has room to improve, and as far as LSU goes, you know I think they're just I think they're down. I think they're down bad. Next up, I'll talk about uh, one that I just mentioned that may be higher up on the West standings than LSU. And that's old Pig Suey over in Fayetteville. And I got some I got some beef I need to handle with Arkansas after this week. Uh, as y'all know, if y'all follow the Twitter and follow the picks, we did go with Texas. Uh, I'll, I'll admit I took the week one bet on Texas beating UL Lafayette. Uh, I think this goes back to prove that, you know, maybe Louisiana wasn't a great ball team because Texas obviously proved they weren't a very physical, great team either, getting steamrolled by Arkansas. And my biggest bone to pick is that, you know, great win for Arkansas. I, I understand the the legendary rival it used to be when they played each other a little more often or whatever. You know, I caught up in some of the beef and saw some of the things said on social media, blah, 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 this and that. But when you beat a team for 60 minutes – and that I get it, the team is ranked, but they're not a top 10 team, not a top five. In my opinion, you rush, it's got to be like top five and for me. And it has to be something where it's a close game, a game you weren't really supposed to win. And just, you know, it has to be something crazy happening. And for Arkansas to storm after beating them for 60 seconds, I mean, 60 minutes, excuse me, for the entire game, it just, it blows my mind that they really stormed the field. And the coach being – Sam Pittman being mic'd up. And the clip they showed telling the state trooper, yeah, let it, you know, we're going to let him go. It's no big deal, this and that. And I get it, $100,000 to the university or whoever's going to pay it. I think I saw something today where Walmart cut a check and paid the fine. The Walmart headquarters are right outside of Fayetteville. But anyways, just the fact that they, like – Act like you beat a top 20 team. Like, I understand Arkansas has been a bad football team for the last decade and some of the worst 
you know, worst seasons they've had have been recent, and they're excited that they they might be okay, and they're two and zero. But they just squeaked by a Rice team in week one that they struggled with, and then they play a great sixty minutes ball game, sixty minutes of a ball game, beat the Longhorns, representing the SEC, awesome. And then they're going to do that and storm the storm the football field after that. And I just I, I had to pick that bone. Gee, you can hit the you can hit the Arkansas note if you want to, but I just had to I had to mention that. Yeah, I do want to point out I I did take Arkansas in the last episode. I just because of the reason I said I don't think Texas in our first episode can come over to the SEC and beat teams like Arkansas on a week to week basis. You know the the Hogs proved me right. So that's I mean that's something to to look at in a positive light. On the negative side, I do agree. I. I just don't understand the the field storming, and that's a chance I feel like for Arkansas to to say you don't belong here, like you're not even a big deal. But they storm the field and make them feel like a big deal. Like if they if you really wanted to hurt Texas fans' feelings, if you really wanted to hurt my man Matthew McConaughey's feelings, stay in the stands and act like you've done it before. Because SEC teams have done it before. They they play top fifteen teams week in and week out. It's not like a Big 12 or a Big 10 or an ACC where you're facing maybe one or two top five teams a year. You're playing them every week and you're giving them competition every week. So I don't think the Texas win should have been a surprise to Arkansas fans because they, I mean, they have talented guys. So yeah, I I agree with you. I I think it's got to be a top five pick um, or a top five team when, when you're storming the field, maybe even a top 10, if you're like a FCS school or a smaller school or something like that. But for Arkansas to be in the biggest conference there is, to being in the conference apparently in the next five years where everybody's trying to move to, I just think that's a bad look for for them. But I do think it's pre- – I didn't know about the Walmart paying for their fines, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I could be – you know how social media is. I could be a mistake. I literally just saw that before we started, so don't quote me on that. But – Pretty positive about seeing that, but enough with enough with them because I am very aggravated at that. But you know, like you said, just it'd be such more slap in the face if you just win it and kind of dap them up, and then you know that'd be the end of it. Like it's you know you beat them, you beat the fifteen team, you can do that. You yeah. knew you were capable of it. You know, be done with it. But enough with them. Good win for Arkansas. Re- really awesome win. I am incredibly shocked though that the AP poll comes out and they're 24th. Yeah, especially being the what, – what was Texas, 15? Texas was 15, but the thing about it – so I, I'm big on – Well, they're 2-0 the, and o too, and they're in the SEC, so. Yeah, and I, I get that, but I'm, I'm – so I'm big on the CBS top 130 poll just because I can – you know, you can see one through 130. Right. And State was 54th last week. Arkansas was 55th. So jumping – 30 spots over a beating a Texas team that maybe just played a bad UL Lafayette team. Maybe he's not a great, didn't get a top 25 win. You know, maybe he's not what they're thinking they are after week one and you jump 31 spots to get into the top 25. I just think I'm, I'm strongly against that train, but I do think Arkansas is a better team than I thought from the get go, but they're not a top 25 football team in my opinion. Yeah, that's strange, but I understand it just from a, a ranking standpoint this early in the season. Also, the AP poll doesn't really mean much right now. So, I mean, I think if any SEC team gets a top 20 win right now, they're and they're undefeated, 
uh, no matter really who it's against, they're probably going to try and throw them in there or really any major conference team. Yeah, that that is that is a weird one. But I guess luckily it's so early in the season it doesn't really it's not really going to have an effect until the college football playoff ranking comes out. So yeah, and that's the you know that's the ranking that matters. So that is true. I just had to. I was a little mind blown by that jump. Um, yeah, 30, 30 spots is a lot. That's a lot. The uh, the next one we'll talk about, and luckily I took them at two and a half. Was South Carolina defeats East Carolina twenty to seventeen. Not a whole lot for us to talk about on that one. The uh, grad assistant was at it again, Zed Nolan. Less than 200 yards, had a touchdown, a pick. Nothing crazy. They just squeaked by and win the, win the game. Uh, East Carolina's pretty bad. The next one, good old Vanderbilt. Maybe getting their one of two wins just because they play UConn late in the year. They, uh, they defeat Colorado State by just three. I mean, nothing I can fake here for Vandy. Uh, congratulations. You know, you, you want to, you want a football game. You can, you can say you're not going to go defeated the rest of the year, at least. Uh, her down, baby. Yeah. Horrible, horrible football up there. Good for, good for them to get to see a win. Now one that had a little, had a little jitters mainly from their fan base. I don't think anyone else in the country believed in them, which made it kind of nice for me, in my opinion, for them to go ahead and get beaten them get a little reality check and realize, hey, uh, you know, maybe the rest of the country's right. And that's old Pittsburgh rolling into Neyland Stadium and defeating the Volunteers 41 to 34. I mean, they're, they're, they're not good. <laughs> that Tennessee's not a good football team. And, you know, they, were, they bounced back different quarterbacks finally. And I think the hooker kid's going to start probably next week, I would think, after the way Milton was seven for 12 with 50 yards. Uh, he did have five carries for 55 yards, but the hooker kid threw the ball exceptionally better, 15 for 23 with 200 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. So, for Tennessee, you got to think they make the QB change. Uh, they were a lot more hesitant about the question of who's starting next week uh, versus Florida and Dan Mullen. You know, he's kind of – he kind of seems like it's a stupid question as far as who's going to start next. Look, we didn't start this podcast to start hating on athletes. Me and Bubba were both college athletes. We know that these kids are going out there every week, grinding through a week of practice and bumping future young boy or Drake or whoever they want to bump right before the game. And they want to play their best. And I don't mean to sound like a hater, but Joe Milton, he has to make an adjustment or he just is not going to be able to play quarterback at the elite level that most people think he can. He's got an elite arm, but you have to have elite decision-making to be able to play in the, in the power five. The decision for me isn't even who to throw to because sometimes he makes the right decision. Sometimes he doesn't. He's still a decently young QB, but he throws lasers every single time. And when he has a, a, a wide receiver downfield it's like not it's not even close every ball is 10 to 15 yards ahead of the receiver and like I said I'm not trying to hate like I, I feel like I'm objectively just saying what I saw and I just didn't see anything out of them that's going to be able to to elevate that team so yeah I, I think that they got to give the other guy a shot maybe do a little two quarterback uh, system and uh, an easier game 
maybe against Vandy or something or whenever their next cupcake, so to say, week is. Hey, Pitt's quarterback looks strong too. I, I forget his name. His name slipped me. It's Kenny Pickett. Kenny that's Pickett. That's right. That's right. He's, he's going to be. He's going to play football for years to come. And yeah, like you said, I don't want to take anything which we're hitting the SEC, but yes, Kenny Pickett played a great football game and he went into Neyland Stadium. That's not exactly a friendly environment and uh, took care of a big win for Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was it was big. I don't hammer, hammer just SEC, so I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that was a that was a great win for Pittsburgh, especially uh, Pitt coming to Tennessee. That's going to look good. So as we talked about bouncing uh, quarterbacks and like you said, Tennessee looking for a cupcake to maybe figure it out, I did forget to mention – they play Tennessee Tech this week, so hopefully – Yeah, this would be the week to figure it out then. Yeah, for their sake, they could figure it out. But on to a uh, very fast-growing story over in Gainesville. Florida defeats USF 42-20. So a comfortable win, you know, no, no questions there. But the story is the true freshman from Gainesville, Anthony Richardson. Uh, this guy got mixed in and – I mean, maybe one of the craziest short stat lines I've ever seen in my life. He goes three for three, 152 yards and two touchdowns. If you look down in the box score, he goes four carries, 115 yards and a touchdown. So just absolute, I mean, turn the sliders up, turn the difficulty down. I mean, I, I, it's it's absurd. And Emory Jones was 14 for 22, 151 yards, one touchdown and two picks. So, in 22 attempts, he had one less yard in Richardson's three attempts. And in 22 attempts, he had one touchdown to Anthony Richardson's two touchdowns and three pass attempts. So, I mean, I, I feel like this is a no-brainer for Dan Mullen, but Dan, Dan Mullen acted like this was a stupid question when asked about – you know, who's going to be the starter against Bama? How's that, how's that play going to happen? And, I mean, I, I get your number 11, and I'm not sure where they were in the new AP poll that came out. And as you said, though, that number doesn't mean really anything right now and never does. The college football one is the one that – or the playoff one is the one that matters. Yes, you're 11, but you're, you you know you're not – like it's a 15-and-a-half point spread against Bama at your, your house, a uh, uh, deadly place to play in as well, the Swamp. It's not like it's a home game for some random team. This is a home game at the Swamp, probably the second biggest game of the week behind Auburn and Penn State, which is where game day is going. But, you know, I don't I don't see how Dan Mullen can think, you know, why Emory Jones? He's proven that he can't be the guy and that, like, he's not going to be some Heisman candidate or anything like that. Let's go to this freshman, the hometown Gainesville guy who just put up insane numbers. Give him a chance, and then if he sucks, then flip it and go Emory. But why start Emory Jones, who you've already given a couple chances to, and seeing that he's not he's not too great, he's not what you thought, or he's, at least his his stat line's not proving it. And you know, I think Ron, a true freshman out there against Alabama, and you know the true freshman in his eyes too, he's going to be pumped up, living for the moment. If he throws a pick, he throws a pick, or if he turns the ball over, does something stupid, but. It might take that little gutsy ballsy to even make this a game against Crimson Tide, especially being that Alabama's not down like people thought there was a chance to be. They're they're pretty damn solid, and Bryce Young is pretty damn good. That defense is is stellar. So I, I think the freshman, starting the freshman is the play here. It's going to be rocking. 
it's going to be loud. You know, I think let him grind out that hype. And I just think Emory Jones is not the guy for this game. If he figures it back out and he starts him later, maybe. But I don't even think that. But I think this freshman, you know, he's going to have the hype, the swagger. I, I think that's the play here. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but. I just I, I don't I don't get how you keep going to Emory Jones, especially against a Bama team. You have nothing to lose. Like you're expected to lose. Dan Mullins, he is a quarterback guy, and he's a quarterback run guy. At that, you know, at State, you I mean, you know this very well, Bubba. He had Dak Prescott, and Nick Fitzgerald back to back, and obviously Dak has proven that he can throw at a higher level. But people had questions about it just because of the play call of Dan Mullen coming out of State. Nick Fitzgerald, he couldn't throw the ball. But it didn't really matter because they had that that set offense. But the thing about Florida is uh, Tebow, even when he was at Florida before State, was a running guy, and I think that he he feels more comfortable maybe with Emory, and maybe him being that upperclassman, that leader is making him want to just keep him in. And I think he feels more comfortable. But like you said, this week is not the week to be comfortable. You have to pull out all the stops. You have to pull out all the plays. And Anthony Richardson, he hasn't—he doesn't have a lot of film. What's Alabama going to be able to study that one little section of game he played? I know it's Alabama. I know this sounds stupid, but that's a secret weapon. The kid's 6'4", 235 pounds, and he can throw it. I think Anthony Richardson's going to be the guy either later this season or next year. But if I were Dan Mullen, I'd make him the guy this week. Emory Jones has had a lot of hype around him ever since he got to Gainesville. Um, I wanted to be on that train, but every time I've seen him play, like I've said the last two weeks, I just don't see it out of him. I'm going to I'm gonna slap around Dan Mullen for a second. I dealt with him for years in Starkville. So I feel like I'm obligated to a little minute or two rant. The thing about Dan Mullen, and I was, I was talking to a buddy earlier, he's a very conservative guy when he gets to that elite level. And it was painful to watch in Starkville. You know, I was a little salty when he left. He took us to a level we had never been to. Very grateful for him and what he did. But, you know, I told some of these Florida fans I knew, it's like, have fun. Have, have fun while you, while you do on that, on that ride up to where you're at. I was like, but you're also Florida. Like, you, won, you, you had Tebow. You, you, you've won. You've been a winning, a winning dynasty program type deal for our lives. You know, Florida's always been a very good football team. And I just think that – you know, him being comfortable, like he said, is going to bite his ass. Like, he's not – he's it's not going to be able to – you're not going to be comfortable beating Alabama. That's not a comfortable feeling. You know it's not right. Like, you know you're not supposed to be beating him. You're going to feel pressure the whole time. Uh, he played He played not to lose against Alabama in 2017 and Starkville. What happens? Alabama drives down and – Devontae Smith actually catches the winning touchdown, and that was who beat us. People don't realize that he was a true freshman at the time, but he played he played not to lose that game, and he, he took State to that level. And, you know, even the year of number one, amazing, fun ride, awesome. I mean, it was just – it was a true Stark Vegas feeling. Everything was buzzing around, but, you know, he ended up losing to Bama, Ole Miss, and Georgia Tech. I don't know, man. I just – I like Mullen. And I think it's cool seeing him, you know, win and compete like he did with Nick Fitzgerald almost beating an Alabama team that was number one in Starkville. But I just he, – he plays too conservative in my opinion. And I think he'd be a hell of an offensive coordinator. 
And I just I, I understand he's not going to take that step backwards more than likely, but I just don't see how he doesn't go to the freshman from Gainesville. Like it would just be a cool ass story. It's all lined up, and there's no way he like he he knows Emory Jones is not beating him. You know why why not do it with why not do it with the freshman from Gainesville at the swamp? It's I mean it's going to be insane anyway. Everyone knows that stadium's toe to toe with LSU and toe to toe with Penn State when it's rocking. And I I think this is going to be one of those environments. I think I think it'll be a fun first half. I'm I'm not going to ever ever write off Bama, but I'm just saying I think there's chances if momentum stays and they can carry it into the second quarter. You know, first quarters they're going to have momentum obviously from the kickoff, but if they can carry that into the second. And, you know, then compete in the second quarter and halftime it somehow still be a one possession. You know, I don't know. Crazy, crazy stuff can happen. So, I would, lo- I would love for that to happen. Uh, I would love for it to be an awesome game. But I have my doubts on Dan Mullen from being a Mississippi State fan. And I'm sadly going to say I don't, I don't think it happens. I don't, I don't think he does the right move. If he does, if he does play him and he, and he sucks, then, you know, that looks like a bad take by us. But. I don't think you're losing anything playing him over Emory Jones. You I don't know? think he'll play any worse than yeah, Emory I would. I don't think you're going to lose too much there. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens and good luck to him. I know it's going to be going crazy. So yeah, Bama can't let him let him stay close late because home field advantage, especially in the swamp, is a dangerous beast. That it is. That it is. I uh, Saban's. Luckily, he's got the experience with, you know, Bryce Young doesn't have the experience. At, right. He's crazy. But, you know, I feel like Saban, that's something that he does do incredibly well is prepare he, his guys for these hostile games on the road. And, you know, I think I think they're going to take care of him just because of the doubts I have about Dan Mullen. I hate it's like that because I would like to see, you know, we've already had uh, – we'll get into this more. Ohio State just got beat this past weekend. And we have Clemson already get beat. Uh, we had North Carolina get beat. You know, this 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 year is shaping up to be something insane already. I think it was eight or nine top 25s got beat week one. You know, like I just said, Oregon upsetting Ohio State. So the playing field is extremely level in college football just because, like, Alabama, don't get me wrong, they're good. They're going to be good. But I don't think that they're as strong as Alabama teams usually are. And I'm sure I wish Pace was here to defend them because he'd probably give me reasons why. And I'd probably say, Oh, maybe you're right. I'm not impressed with the Miami or Mercer win just because I don't think they're too good. Like, I don't think either of those teams are good. I was impressed with Bryce Young. Don't get me wrong. I'm Okay. Not impressed is the wrong phrase. I was impressed. But as far as, like, caliber opponent, I wasn't impressed because I don't think Miami's a good team. Just like I don't think Louisville's a good team uh, when Ole Miss beat them. So, and I mean, Mercer, like you said last week, they should have got COVID uh, this, this past weekend. But um, well, I was gonna say too. I I actually agree because I don't think I don't think anybody would have said if you would have told me does Bama score fifty yes or no against Mercer. I think every ninety five percent of the public would have hammered absolutely, and they didn't. So, yeah. uh, but also, you know, if you saw the post game or the post week or what, whenever he did the interview, Saban, I think it was I think it was Monday after Miami game. And you know he was pissed off. He wasn't. He wasn't satisfied at all. And people, I think some people think that's a show from certain coaches. And I would strongly agree that from some coaches it is. You know they want to give the right answer to the media. Nick Saban has nothing to prove to the media. Yeah. You know, 
that's just Nick Saban. That's how he's built that dynasty. So I do think that's a key for them that with them not hanging 50 on Mercer or not playing the best game to their ability, as Nick Saban probably believes, you know, I think they're going to come very hard and prove something. This, this game against Florida will prove a whole hell of a lot more than the Miami game. I, I think agree. Miami – I mean, Miami beats App State by two this past week. So, I think that's going to go to – which App State is a team me and Pace speak very highly of. Uh, they have an insane defense that just flies around, storms the ball. And App State had a beautiful chance to win that game and should have and uh, kind of just let it slip away, just a bad break for them. But – you know, I think back to Alabama, I think this game on the road at Florida, crazy hostile environment, this really proves a lot, especially if they win by three scores like this spread set. So next up, we're going to hit the uh, the Roll Tides, Arch Nemesis, Auburn. The, uh, the Auburn chatter is also one that uh, kind of like the Arkansas jumping 30 spots is it's blowing my mind, but it's not. You know, you have to give these teams respect when they're hanging 60 back-to-back weeks, no matter who they play, in, in my opinion. Uh, I like to bust teams' chops when they play a nobody and blow them out. But, you know, for Auburn to play a horrible Akron team, then play Alabama State and hang 60 back-to-back weeks and only give up one touchdown in 120 minutes of football, you know, that's tough to do. And uh, the ground game for Auburn this week was just – I mean, it was insane. So, Auburn's ground game has just been incredible in these back-to-back games. Uh, week two, Bo Nix just threw for 100 yards. The backup threw for 66. T.J. Finley threw a touchdown. Bo Nix, two touchdowns. But, you know, 62 points, that, that leaves a lot more room for stuff. And those stats were 364 team rushing yards for Auburn and three touchdowns on the ground. Tank Bigsby, Tank Bigsby goes for 122. Uh, the dude's a monster. He's just proven week in and week out so far that, you know, he's he's a real deal. I'm really excited for him to play a, a good defense, them going to Penn State this weekend. Uh, college game day is going to be there. You know, this is a really, really huge game for Auburn as far as on the national stage. Uh you know, if they take care of it here, and if they take care of it controlling, they they're gonna be a they're gonna be a big time team. There, I believe they were twentieth in this AP poll that just came out. And you know, if they go on the road and beat Penn State, they're gonna jump very aggressive from the top twenty to well in the top fifteen. I think. Don't think they'll be top ten unless you know some crazy stuff happens and the other teams lose. But uh, another talk is Jarquez Hunter a freshman back at Al- at Auburn, excuse me. Got to play a little bit, obviously, with 62 nothing, And I think he's going to be a two that gets rotated in there regardless. But he had eight carries, 147 yards, busting a uh, college record for Auburn, 94-yard rush, being the school record there. And I don't know. I think these two teams, the only thing that scares me is obviously in the SEC. It, I mean, we've, we've seen how run only works in the SEC. You know, these big, big corn-fed horses on D for SEC are going to fill the box. They're going to bring six, if not seven, every snap. And, I mean, Bo Nix just keeps kind of proving that he can't he can't throw the ball accurate all the time. Or, you know, you don't know which Bo Nix is going to show up. And nine for 17 with 108 yards against Alabama State just doesn't convince me that he's figuring it out as years go on. So, 
I know you uh, have a little opinion on Bo Nix. I don't know if you want to say anything about that. But the ground game so far and defense against nobody, uh, both of those look solid. You know, I'm not going to hop into to this one too much. I'll probably just make a statement. Then I'll throw it back to you for the next game just because I think Auburn's a one-dimensional team. They can run it, and that's that's really all they have. And I, I feel for Tank Bigsby because when he rolls into the Tuscaloosas, the Oxfords, this the Starkvilles, uh, the Swamp, wherever they have to play this year, he's, he's, gonna, he's just going to know that it's going to be on him. I really don't think this is a hot take, but my take is that Auburn is completely one-dimensional. Yeah, and I think I strongly agree there, and I'm pretty excited to see the first SEC team load the box and stuff it. But next up, and one that I don't care to talk a lot about, I don't, I don't not a big fan of this team, is Georgia just dominates UAB, 56-7. to seven. Uh, Stetson Bennett went off uh, with JT being, you know, shook up. He threw for – he was only nine for 11 with 280 yards and five touchdowns. That's just – Insane stat line once again. Uh, you know, most of these big teams after week one, they played lower teams, Bama and Mercer, Georgia, UAB. It's not a whole lot to really hammer. Another game I do want to talk about that I thought was going to be a lot more lopsided, and they kind of just let them hang around, is Kentucky beating Missouri 35-28. Uh, it was a great game. Will Levis only 10 for 18, 180 yards, a touchdown and a pick. But the story of this one was Chris Rodriguez for the Wildcats. Uh, that running back just popped off 27 carries, 205 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's insane. To, it's it's just, in, I mean, it's like Benny Snell vibes. And he just, he put him on his back and he knew they needed they needed someone to step up and win the football game. And he, he straight up just did it. I mean, credit to his big guys up front, but. 27 carries, 200-plus, and three tutties. You know, your running back has that line. You're not going to lose many football games. Yeah, I agree. Um, not much. Uh, I talked to my buddy Ben Smith, who's a Kentucky fan, and I just told him, you know, the SEC East, uh, after I watched Kentucky play, I hit him up and said, man, y'all are not going 9-3, and 10-2, and because he tells me that all the time. And I, I'm a big believer in Will Levis, the kick and play. Um, but you can't let Missouri's hang around. And I say that, and then I look at the rest of Kentucky's schedule, and I'm like, these guys are such a mediocre team. And it's very, very possible that they go 9-3 and three just because of how weak the East is. Shout out, uh, shout out Kentucky covering that game, though. That was nice. That was, that was a big perk. This one, one of the biggest talks on the, all the social medias around the country – Huge doubts now, and now they got a questionable injury. Haynes King going down for him. Just came out expected to miss a couple weeks, which would put him missing the Arkansas game. And as we stated earlier, you know, not real sure on Arkansas because we're not sure on Texas. Uh, but it is looking like he's going to miss that game. And that brings us to A&M scoring in the last couple minutes of the game to beat Colorado 10-7. to seven. Couldn't get a touchdown the first, I don't know, 57, 58 minutes of the game. This was just one of the least expected, to, you know, to be like this. The over-under, I think, it was 50. Spread was A&M by a couple scores, maybe maybe 14 to 17 range, I think it was. And 
you know, just insane. I mean, I thought I, the only reason I didn't think they were going to lose is because I knew or I, I strongly believed that they're going to score a touchdown. Just even if it is the singular, singular version, they're going to score a touchdown. They're going to get six points on one play. It has to happen. Waited as long as they could to do it. But sure enough, they punch one in and the backup, uh, Cazalda, or however you pronounce his name, I'm not real sure to be honest. He, I mean, he looked horrible, honestly. He was 18 for 38, 180 yards, a touchdown. You know, he just, he wasn't incredible on his feet by any means. I think he had like 30 yards rushing. Hopefully they're being honest with the Haynes King news and he's not going to miss, you know, six weeks and they're trying to cover it up and hope it's only two weeks or hope it's something smaller. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully he does only miss two weeks. But proving how one-dimensional they could be with Haynes King going down and they have to squeak by, I don't know the, I don't know about the say and m team and the whole playoff bullshit talk they had at the beginning of the season. I think they're a good football team. I don't think they're a playoff football team. Unless something drastic changes with the offense, and they and it could, you know. I mean, this is college football. Things change every week. There could be a team that puts up 65, and then the next week they can't, they can't score a touchdown. You know, anything's possible. But after last week, I, I still think A&M is a good team. I just don't think they're a playoff team. Yeah, I think they're top 10 still, but like I said, out of playoffs. Uh, next up, I'll let you hit it if you got anything. I don't really have anything. Is the old land sharks moving to two and oh, 54 17 over Austin P. Uh, good old Matty Ice, as they call it. That, that's still, that's the thing, isn't it? Matty Ice. Yeah, said, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Matty Ice padding the stats there, a little 265 touchdowns. Uh, I have to say this, or I have to ask this as Ole Miss fans, is even though the like we we all agreed that the Louisville team was is is pretty bad, Austin P obviously not a threat, fifty four seventeen dub, but got to be happy that Matty Ice zero picks through two weeks through one hundred twenty minutes of football. Not that he played every minute, but right, you get where I'm coming from. Two games, no picks. Yeah, so last episode we said that I would react to both of the games, so I will. I'm not going to take up too much time just because I don't think the opponents were extremely strong, but I'll, I can talk more about it when they play a top opponent. I think Tulane is going to be the biggest test. Tulane is the team out of the American Conference, in my opinion. I'm proud for, for Matt Corral. He's gone through a lot during his tenure at Ole Miss just with coaching changes, uh, playing behind Plumlee, um, and the and the kid can play, man. He's got an amazing arm. Uh, Andre Drummond, uh, Ontario Drummond, Andre Drummond, Ontario Drummond looked really nice. Uh, Braylon Sanders looked good. All the receivers looked good. Jerry Ely, Snoop Connor, uh, Paris, they all look good. What I'm most proud about after these last two weeks, and I know we played Louisville and Austin P, is the defense. You know, I had some people on on Twitter, which I try to stay off Twitter as much as possible now just because I don't like getting into arguments with sports fans because nobody ever wins those arguments. There's a lot of people just saying, you know, this doesn't prove anything. They stopped Austin P or they stopped Louisville. Listen, Bubba, I know that you'll like to hate on Ole Miss, and this is kind of a spite at them from last year. We would have given up 42 points to Presbyterian last year. We were just not a good defense last year. I mean – 
you name a team. I, I think we were last in power five in the in defense last year. 127th, I believe yeah. it was. Ole Miss fans, listen to me and listen to me good. I don't care who we're playing. If we're giving up less than 21 points, it's a good day. Okay. Our offense can take us to an elite level if our defense can get any stops at all. Last year, we weren't, a, I mean, we weren't a great team by any means, but we battled with Alabama all the way into a shootout, but we can't get them to punt one time. The defense this year, I think, can get a team to punt one time and have, I mean, we might lose that shootout, but instead of losing the shootout by 17 or 14, we lose by seven or three or 10. Very content as a fan after two weeks, but still a long season to go. Um, shout out to the Reds for being 2-0. and We're all three. All three. I'll speak for Pace. All three teams are 2-0. and uh, Can't – definitely the two Mississippi teams, you can't be mad at that. Like you said, I, I, I can admit, too, that Ole Miss's defense is going in the right direction. Still a not great defense, in my opinion, especially being an SEC team, you know, you're going to have to be a solid national defense to survive. But with that offense, you know, it makes it a lot more easier to win games when you have an electric offense and high-power offense. So I do hate that uh, – I think the two-lane is obviously the best opponent they faced, in my opinion, coming up. But I do hate that two-lane is a shootout type of team as well. So I'm really ready to see a team that can uh, – you know, that has a, a decent defense, and I want to see it go up against this high-power offense. So I was just going to say that's a test that we have to be able to, like, I mean, I'm, I'm excited as well. Well, not excited, but ready uh, to see us face a good defense because that's going to be a, a real test to where we actually are. Um, that, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's the tough break for the Ole Miss fans is that that first test is going to be Alabama. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, – you know, that's going to be tough just because you're going to be more than likely, unless Tulane does something, you know, completely different. But Oklahoma, you know, I don't think their offense, you know, it may not be as good as Ole Miss's this year. They kind of look a little a little different. But at the same time, they did just hang like 70 on some bum week two. So they, they may have had a fluke week one or Tulane may could give Ole Miss some fits. And I think if you're Ole Miss – you might want to face a couple fits early in the game and then win by three or four scores because, you know, you don't want to go cupcake, 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 and then get hit with a monster in Alabama. I don't know. I'm, I'm very, very, very excited to see the Ole Miss Tulane game this week. And the last SEC game we'll hit is the good old Bulldogs getting to 2-0, and getting, in my opinion, a good win. Uh, NC State was favored in the game for one. And for two, you know, being favored in start, well, that just proves, I think, in my opinion, that they were more of a five or six point favorite, like if it was straight up uh, neutral site, so to speak, or something like that. Or if it was at NC State, it probably would have been closer to a touchdown. Uh, AP polls, we've said it 500 times this episode already, don't matter. But I believe they were like 26 or 27. So a, a really good win for State, I think, more people than you can count had had nerves and a lot of worries about this game after that La Tech scare. And, uh, man, the dog defense just, you know, gave me flashbacks to the stellar defense we had back in 17. Had three turnovers, four sacks, a pick in the end zone. I don't know what the hell NC State was running. A little wildcat motion the quarterback out to receiver, jump pass from the running back. 
just insane call from the Wolfpack. But the offense struggled miserably in the first quarter. I think State's offense had five yards. Ran the opening kickback. Uh, Tulu's going to be so awesome. He's a freaking – just a, the definition of an athlete on the field. When he gets in space, he can do great things and can change the ball game on the special team side, as he proved last week. You know, he got opening kick and broke a couple tackles midfield and returned it. And, you know, for a while it looked like that could be the only touchdown State was going to score. And luckily got it clicking – and Rodgers ended up throwing for 300, two tutties. I think we had nine different people catch the football. It's always good to kind of spread it out like that. But the story of this was 100% the dog defense. I think NC State scored with like less than five minutes left, you know, just kind of not a bullshit touchdown, but, you know, not a not a crucial touchdown or anything. The game was all but over. And, you know, four sacks, three turnovers, as I said, that's – that's good. That's good. Good to see from Mississippi State, and good for Mississippi State fans to be able to see. They're traveling to Memphis this week. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a sea of maroon and blue, in my opinion. Kind of when Ole Miss played them a few years ago, or so. Look to see a lot of maroon in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, State is favored. I I think they can really take care of them, especially Memphis giving up fifty to Arkansas State and winning fifty-five to fifty. That kind of that kind of gives me some confidence. I would love NC State has a good defense, so I would like to see a less uh, a shootout style. I'd be fine with. I trust our defense, and it would be great for me to see Will Rogers just go for 400, 450, something like that, and just get these wheels rolling for LSU coming to town week four. That's all the SEC we got week three. Obviously, the big ones are Auburn going to Penn State, Bama going to Florida. And then as far as our teams go, we got Ole Miss and Tulane and State and Memphis. So going to be a fun week three. Uh, I feel like we still got forever till we get to it. That's how it always feels here in the middle of the week. But nonetheless, we got to hit the biggest upset of the damn – probably of, of yeah, by four, actually, of college football this year. The Oregon Ducks taking down the old Buckeyes. And not the playoff poll, but Oregon – go into the four spot after this win. Just insane. The, the insane jump. They were 12, and they bump A&M down, which obviously they won by three. Holy shit, Oregon is in the playoffs right now from AP, AP looking. And that's just wild. You know, I haven't seen – they've always been a good football team, obviously, but they've had their ups and downs since Mariota. And, you know, it's pretty wild. And I, I like that the Buckeyes got taken down because I think they're doing a little justice for uh oh Ibrahim and or Ibrahim and Minnesota's running back. He went down. He uh he might he might have his little ghost of a of a knee that exploded against Ohio State may have went to one of them ducks and said, Hey, I'm gonna beat you one way or another and got a little revenge and brought out the real Buckeyes football team and proved to us that maybe maybe they're not a playoff caliber team now. They went out, they're going to get back in it, and that pisses me off. But I think this has proven that, you know, they're not a – I don't think they're a playoff team. They were sweep by Minnesota, end up covering late two touchdowns, but got their ass smacked at home against the Oregon Ducks. And I need I need your take on that because I know how you feel about Ohio State. Yeah, look, I've, I've been waiting for this since the, since the season started. 
Um, I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to sound like, you know, when you say a team like with a history like Ohio State is not going to be as good as they usually are. Everybody's like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, this, that. Well, listen to me, Buckeye fans. Your team is overrated this year. And look, I don't have any beef with Ohio State. Half of the New Orleans Saints are Ohio State alumni. I mean, we're Ohio State South. I'm cool with Ohio State. I I even got Zeke on my fantasy team. But listen, y'all are overrated this year. I'll take that back. I don't have beef with the players. I have beef with the fans because y'all are a little annoying. Y'all have proven that y'all can beat SEC teams at a certain to a certain extent when you get in the playoffs. But I feel the same way about you. If you're in the SEC, like you think Texas, y'all y'all be good, but y'all would have two to three losses a year, and that's just my take. I mean, your rival is Michigan. Is that even a rivalry anymore? It's not a rivalry when you beat them ten out of ten times. All all joking slander aside, I think Ohio State is overrated this year. They're a good program. I'm sure they'll bounce back in the next year or two. Um, But I think they have a a loss or two left coming this season. Um, I don't think this was just a a crazy thing that happened. I think that a lot of people probably could have called this that watch college football a lot and watch their first game. I mean, it's the defense, man. The defense uh, can't do anything. They gave up 270 rushing yards this past Saturday to Oregon. You know, first quarter looked all right. They didn't give up any points. They give up two touchdowns in the second, two touchdowns in the third. And I just – that's what I think it is. I think it's the defense. Uh, C.J. Stroud is, you know, I mean, the dude's a baller for Ohio State. He's awesome. But the true freshman just putting up these numbers, he needs some help on D. And you know he's going to turn the ball over being a freshman. Throws a pick again this week, making it his second of the year. Not horrible a pick a game, you know. But he was 35 for 54, so – Throwing the ball 54 times, he's getting his reps, no shit. 490 yards, three touchdowns. Like, the dude's a baller. But this Ohio State having no defense, and especially no run defense against Oregon, is just, I mean, getting dominated like that is not not going to help C.J. Stroud out, not going to help him win ball games when the defense is just getting ran through. I'm kind of like you. I think there's another loss somewhere on that schedule. I'm not sure where it could come from because, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have thought they'd lose to Oregon at home. You know, maybe if it was on the road, I might have considered it and thought a little bit different. And I do know they play Michigan on the road at the end of the season. Penn State comes to Ohio State. So, besides that, pretty weak schedule. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I kind of agree with you. You know, 10 games left. I think they could easily slip up and lose another one. I think this is horrible for them. I think it proves that they're going to be top ten if they're, you know, if they keep it together. They're not going to be a playoff team, in my opinion. I don't know. It's it's shaking up crazy because I don't think Oregon's a Oregon's great. Oregon's really good, but I don't think they're a playoff team either. And for them to jump to four and A and M to obviously have problems without Haynes King, them going down to five. You know, this playoff picture and everything is just going to – it's shaping up to be an insane college football year. And maybe the COVID year had to deal with – or had to had an effect on the rankings early, which obviously they have so far with eight or nine teams in the top 25 losing week one. Now Ohio State goes down. Clemson's already lost. You know, it's it's getting crazy. And I'm, I'm, I'm super here for it. 
with every week and something insane happening, you know, it's, it makes for a lot of entertainment, but it, you know, week ones, there, there's a lot of bait out there, so to speak, you know, you're going to take it. Like I took Texas is, is good. They had a good win. No, they didn't. You know, that was, that was fake. That was false bait. Hopefully Mississippi state went about one it's false bait. Uh, Alabama against Miami, maybe proven just how good Bama is. Maybe not false bait there, but proven how good Bama is and that Miami maybe not be horrible, but Bama's just that much better possibly. Or, you know, maybe proves a little bit about App State week two. So week two and week one, the baits that fluctuate from each one of them is, you know, you make a judgment on week two. Well, then maybe something was just false in week one. The, the first two weeks of college football, in my opinion, are the most troublesome weeks you can possibly have because you got a performance in one week and then week two, you see a whole different ball team and it's just, it's insane. It's, it's so hard to realize who's really, you know, who's, who's real and who's a fraud in the first two weeks. This, uh, this week three, some of these matchups, you know, hopefully teams get to find their true self a little bit more give us gamblers a little more insight because right now the world it's it's so mashed up the gambling world i i got covers that i think are dead locks and they're the ones that are complete opposite i got the wrong team even covering and then i got some money lines that i'm picking that are through the roof just to pay out and they're hitting with ease uh me and pace are 22 and 23 through week two of college football and the way it's been playing and the upsets and whatnot i am Perfectly fine being just one game below 500. I do want to say that because, God almighty, it could have been 45 bet slips. It could have been nasty. It could have been 10 and 35 easily. But thank the Lord it wasn't. Uh, we're eager for week three. We'll dive in a lot more. We'll have pace with us for, uh, you know, next week's reaction as far as for college football and NFL. But for now, me and G are going to go ahead and dive into NFL week one. Bum, ba, da, da. Was that a good NFL? Does that sound like the NFL like chime? Was that good? All right. All right, guys. NFL is here. I might throw a little episode, maybe a little 20 minute episode out once a week or something, talking about fantasy because I'm getting big into fantasy. Shout out to my league, Iron Sharpens Iron. But we're not talking about that today. Talking about NFL week one and what an eventful week it was going to start off with uh cowboys and bucks man me and bubba talked about this one a lot with in pace too me and bubba watched a little football this last weekend together and we were just talking about the end of the game puts tom brady in camera view he looks right across the sideline and you just know with a minute and however long he had it's too much time tom brady's going to go down score and the bucks end up winning at 31 to 29 Man, is you know, I, I dislike the guy. He's in my he's in my division now. The guy's great, and there's there's just no way around it. You know, I I will I will say excuses later on of why he won this Super Bowl, why he won that Super Bowl, because he's always had a good defense. But the guy's good. Uh, he, the guy's great, and you just got to give him his props when when props are due. As far as for that game goes, like you said, you knew when it when the camera hit him, you knew. Like, it was a wrap. I'm not a state fan that's 
I'm I don't associate myself with Cowboys in, by any means, but I love a lot of the country. Love to see Dak uh, after the injury, you know, go back out, go toe to toe, throw for 400 yards. But like you said, I mean, you you knew you could just see that look, and we've seen it so many times. As far as fantasy, like you little mentioned it, I did have Dak and CD in one league. That was a good night for me. Uh, Mark Cooper turned up too. I saw just wasn't enough. Wasn't enough for old Tom. And I just – I can't believe that we're going to get another year of seeing this shit. Next, we're going to go to the Seahawks and the Colts. And this one's kind of the same story the past couple of years for the Seahawks early in the season. Russell Wilson looking like he's in great form again. And that's really all you can say, man. The Seahawks just played well. Tyler Lockett was all over the field. DK, of course, was all over the field. That defense looked looked pretty stout, holding the Colts only 16. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, not much to say about that, just Russell Wilson. Yeah, I do want to say real quick, I checked my phone at, like, second quarter, and I seen damn DK, zero catches. And I, I was coaching ball. I'd been coaching, like, all day. I had to be there pretty early before NFL started. And I text somebody, and I was like, is, D, is DK playing? Like, what the hell is going on? I know DK is going to catch the football. And then, luckily, you know, he ended up getting a touchdown, like 50 or 60 yards. So, good for him. I love him in the league. I uh, hate that he went to that school in college, but the dude's, uh, dude's a baller for the Seahawks. The Jaguars at the Texans. Tyrod Taylor behind center for the Texans, and they put up 37. Heck, I, they might just would have kicked Deshaun out of there anyways with Tyrod Taylor putting up 37 in week one. No, I'm just kidding because the Jaguars are not a very good football team. And I think that this just proves to Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence that this isn't college anymore. I saw a wild stat that it was Trevor Lawrence's first regular season loss. Undefeated in high school, undefeated in college in the regular season. And he is handed his first regular season loss of his – I mean, I I guess you can call it professional career because I guess high school's – I mean, it's not professional, but legitimate career. I'll, I'll put it like that. So, that's that's an insane stat. But three picks for Lawrence. Didn't look great. He'll pick it up. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Trevor Lawrence believer. But uh, Urban Meyer, you know, I, I think he had a little tough press conference afterwards. What do you have to say about that game, Boa? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. The Urban Meyer talk's kind of – it's kind of weird, honestly, like, you know, that's who he went with one of one or round one, pick one, whatever, Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. Another thing I'm thinking of is so Lawrence no shit, he threw the he threw the hell out of the ball in high school, obviously. Did the same at Clemson. And I'm just starting to think is like, are some of these quarterbacks gonna start seeing more of like the pitching arm problems? Because, you know, in the nineties and even early two thousands you weren't throwing the football like this. Like, it was ground and pound. Like, that's been the name of the game. Like, when we were growing up, I remember, you know, Nick Saban didn't throw the ball 20 times, 25, I'll say 25, 25, 30 times a game. Like, it was hand hand the ball off and play hard down south football or whatever. And I was reading the box score and I saw Trevor Lawrence was 28 for 51. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, if he's doing this, there's just – I mean, I, I get it, the technology and all the, you know, rehab and stuff they can do to heal your arm in a week. But I don't know. That was that was a thought of mine, especially 
you know, being 28 for 51. He's not completing a lot of these. Like, he's going to stretch it out more and feel more pressure to pick up more games on third and long or whatever. No, Not as many dump-offs. But like you said, uh, going for the double hat trick, he had three toadies, three picks. Uh, just didn't, didn't look awesome. And it, the story of this game was Tyrod Taylor, like you said, throwing it to Brandon Cooks. He had, I think, 130. And Tyrod Taylor being a 32-year-old, rather, you know, on the veteran side. And he held on to the football. You know, he didn't have – he didn't throw any picks. And Trevor Lawrence, he threw three picks in the NFL. Son, you're not going to win football games. And that's the gist of that one. And like you said, two bad teams, but good for the Texans, bad for Trevor Lawrence. In the next game, I wish Pace were here for this one. It's his team, the Washington football team, lose to the Chargers 2016. Mm. And for me, man, it's just – it's just the same old problems in Washington. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down, and the defense looks good. I mean, holding Justin Herbert to 20 points is impressive. That guy can play. Not much to say about that one, just kind of the same old story for Washington. That defense looked good, as they always do. But, you know, it's it's hard to get anything going without an elite QB back there. And I think Fitzmagic probably has some magic still left in the bottle. Can't have any magic from the bench. Yeah, tough one for old pacemaker. Like he said, I wish he was here. Just uh just having our third leg on the podcast, you know, it's always it's it's complete more. Uh but not on the sad side of it. But to make it even worse, he's not here and his team got beat. So tough, tough for him. Uh I did see Montez Sweat had a sack and a fumble, fourth fumble. Good for good for Montez. Uh Washington football's gonna have to figure it out if you know, they had talks about they could be, you know, they could really compete this year. And they have to figure it out. So, best of luck to them just for old pacemaker. And good shit, Montez Sweat, he'll say. Got to shout out my boy Bubba and my buddy Davin Hetz. And oh. before I get into the Eagles talk, they're our rival, so I got to talk about the Falcons. I know Austin Zeitler is listening to this podcast right now saying Joe G, don't you dare say anything about my dirty birds. Z, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything hurtful about them until it's Saints week. They just didn't look good. Uh, that's the only that's the only thing. I think they're in a rebuild. So I mean it's understandable. I did not expect the Eagles to play the way that they did. Jalen Hurts looked really good behind center. Devontae Smith with his first catch and his first touchdown on the same play. You got to love that for that kid. I mean, he he works his tail off. Like you can just tell. And he's a good guy, at least from how he portrays himself in the media. You know, I don't know him personally, but seems like a good guy. I know Davin Hetz was screaming, loving, uh, loving watching those boys from Philly get a dub on week one. So I'll let you go into that one, Bubba. Yeah, my, uh, my first game as the – my Fly Eagles Fly fandom and Jalen Hurts, who I loved in college. Loved him at Bama. Loved how professional he was when he took on the Oklahoma role. Just kind of like how you said, I don't know him personally, but just like Devontae Smith, I feel like Jalen Hurts, awesome guy. Uh, he goes 27 for 35, 270, three tutties, no picks. That's the name of my name of the game, in my opinion, in the NFL. You know, hold on to the football. These uh, elite, best of the best, make you pay when you turn the ball over. So good for him. Devontae Smith being the leading receiver. Everyone knows how I feel about Smitty. Uh, awesome, awesome first game for me as them being my being my team. 
not sure what the hell the Falcons are doing. Uh, like you said, I, I'm y'all are the y'all are more on the NFL side, and I just I'm just laying back watching the Eagles fly all over them. Obviously, Eagles superior to Falcons in the bird in the bird world. <laughs> Next is the old Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. Huh, I know so many Steelers fans from from Horn Lake. Don't really know how that that got started, but all my buddies from Horn Lake are Steelers fans. Shout out to them. They know who they are, especially my boy Juice. Yeah. I mean, this one was just, like, I think, the same old, same old story for the Steelers. That defense is looking really good, especially against a good Bills team. Um, Josh Allen played well. I mean, no picks. Stephon Diggs, 60-plus yards. You know, I mean, they just couldn't find the end zone, and I think that that was – what killed them. I think they may have had a, a fumble or two. I, I watched the game, but I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember everything about it. Steelers looked a little lost on offense to start. I think Big Ben has seen better years. He's kind of getting towards that age where Whoa. he might want to, huh? Can we get Big Ben out of the league? <laughs> How old is brother? I mean, I feel like I didn't mean to cut you off, but I had to like I said, I, I mean, I'm not the biggest NFL guy, but Jesus Christ, I know Big Ben. And this guy's, I mean, he he was he was playing football on box TVs. Like he's seen the whole world change since he's been in the league. I had to I had to hit that real quick. I, and he looks, he's not like Tom Brady or these other old guys. Like Big Ben looks rough. Looks like he's had a hard life. Like he's been cutting grass for 20 years or something. Like he looks, he looks tough. He yeah, got he, out of the league, but you can, you can hit it back. I had to. I I like Big Ben, but Jesus Christ, he's been playing since the bus was playing. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, I I kind of hit everything. I I think the Bills are still in for a really good season. Tough loss week one, but they played a good defense. We'll see if this year the Steelers can figure out that offense early, or if they're going to just be a defensive team until playoffs and then take that first loss like they did last year. Jake Baker's 49ers and the Lions. This was a fun game to watch. A lot of offense, 41-33, the final score. Um, Niners Niners proved to be a, a pretty good team. Um, Garoppolo hitting Debo Samuel a lot. Really good game for them. Detroit did not look bad either. Uh, Jared, Jared Goff, 38 for 57. Jeez, they are throwing the ball a lot in the NFL. 338 yards, three TDs, one interception. Looked really good. DeAndre Swift looked good. Um, Williams had a touchdown himself. And, I mean, Detroit played good, but 49ers just outshot them. Yeah, I don't know if – I don't know who all seen it, but I did because I drafted him on fantasy. DeAndre Swift is just out here playing football with – murder on his mind rumors running around his head and I didn't freaking start him and dropped 20 plus so <laughs> I had to throw that out there good good for DeAndre they didn't he's, he's scoring touchdowns and surely he didn't kill a man because he was allowed to play so good for him yeah that was that was <laughs> that was a really tough scene that hit the tabloids but I'm, I'm glad that they at least right now we don't we don't know everything so I don't want to have a a predicament where we say he's innocent 
and he comes out to be guilty later. But it seemed like they handled it pretty well at the press conference saying that it was blasphemy and that it wasn't real. Um, next was not the game of the week, but definitely in in the contention for the game of the week, Vikings, Bengals. No, you're not a huge fan of Joe Burrow, but he looked really good. Uh, Jamar Chase, I'm picking him up this week off waivers. Probably going to put him at my flex. The guy looked good, man. Uh, all that talk about he couldn't see the ball. Looks like he, he could see it pretty well. Got his first touchdown pass. Played the Vikings, not just a crazy good team. Kirk Cousins back there. I don't think that they're going to be anything serious this year. I think the Bengals, they look solid. They just got to figure out that O-line, in my opinion. I just If they can protect Joe Burrow against good defensive linemen, they have a chance to be a decent team. But otherwise, I just, I mean, a good win for them to start off. Uh, they start off. Every week, trying to be one to know, they they succeeded this last week. So, yeah, another another me wishing pace was here moment. Uh, we have a bookmark tweet that we brought it up. I think during preseason with Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. Uh, some LSU fan talking about how much better Jamar Chase is going to be in the NFL than Devontae. Obviously, this week not proven yet, but uh, yeah, nice uh, nice outing for Jamar Chase, and he was obviously clowning everybody. I saw Burrow say something like uh, to the media, thought Jamar couldn't catch the ball or whatever. Yeah, in his post-game conference is funny. But besides that, I don't have anything else on that game. Uh, I did see Kirk Cousins through for like 350. Yeah, he played well. He's just – I don't think that he's up there in the – I mean, he's better than me at quarterback. He's in the NFL. But I just don't (laughs) think he's in that that elite discussion that you have to be in to, to win nowadays in the NFL. Yeah. Also, I, I'm pretty sure this was the because didn't the Bengals weren't they like a newer franchise? No. Like they haven't been around since the whole 30s or 40s. Anyways, what I'm getting at is I'm I think that was their first overtime win. Oh wow! I'm pretty sure they are on a stretch of like losing every overtime game. <laughs> I can uh, you can go go to the next one. I'll, I'll look for that. Okay. Now, it wouldn't surprise me the Bengals are pretty notorious for losing games. Next is the Jets-Panthers. Panthers got the win 19-14. But, look, the story here for me is Zach Wilson looked good. Threw an early pick, but the guy, the kid looked good. 20 for 37, 258 yards in his first game. He still looks 15, and he's out there throwing touchdowns in the NFL. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. That's just my opinion. Don't have too much on the Panthers. Got old Sam Darnold back there playing his former team. I know he said that it was weird seeing them. Uh, across the line after being drafted there just a few a few years ago. Christian McCaffrey, 21 carries, 98 yards. I mean, they're going to try and get that guy the ball anytime yeah. they can. I mean, good for them. Another team that I don't think is just going to set the league on notice, but they started off 1-0, and that's, that's all you can ask for. Next, we've got the Cardinals versus the Titans, which was a little bit of a surprise to me just how dominating it was. Um, Kyler Murray looked good. DeAndre Hopkins looked good. Tannehill didn't look terrible. It was one of those games where Kyler Murray had four touchdowns and went 21 for 32. Did throw a pick, but, I mean, you're going to throw a pick. He still looks like a little kid that is in trouble running around. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, 83 yards and six receptions, two touchdowns. Christian Kirk with two touchdowns as well, 70 yards on five catches, and a bunch of – other wide receivers catching the ball for, for a lot of yards. And I think Kyler Murray's just good at finding those guys when they're open and seeing mismatches. Titans, 
I mean, they got, they got some stuff to clean up. Tannehill wasn't great, but I still think that they're going to be a good team. Tannehill, one touchdown, one pick. You know, long season for them to figure it out. And the, and the Cardinals are a really good team, so I don't think they're going to be beating themselves up too much over this one. Yeah, uh, like you said, Kyler Murray, I, I really enjoy watching Kyler Murray play and to just throw the ball 32 times and, you know, just 21 completions adding up for almost 300 yards. Pretty impressive in the four touchdowns, like you said. This is another one where I was at the ball field coaching, same day, obviously. And I look at my fantasy and see Derrick Henry, seven attempts, seven yards. And I just, I lost it. I lost it. I hadn't, I was like, because I told, I told someone, I was like, all right, that, you know, I want Derrick Henry. I'm a horrible fantasy player, by the way. And I go for the guys I like. Like, obviously, they're still relative. They're good players, but not exactly who I should probably be drafting. And I wanted Derrick Henry in both of my leagues. And as of right now, luckily, I didn't get him in one because he had like 50 yards. He had 17 carries, 58 yards. That ain't going to cut it. He's that big. I need, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need 100 yards a game. So that's all I got there. I am very shocked with all the rumors, or not rumors, all the chatter of, uh, you know, Titans having an electric offense in the NFL, which you don't really, kind of a new term they're starting to use with all these skill guys and, like you said, throwing the ball a lot more. Uh, you didn't really. I didn't. I don't recall. You know, in the past five years here and oh, this offense is going to be incredibly fast and whatnot in the NFL. So pretty fun to be seeing. Uh, hate that theirs didn't fire fire off very good week one, but I think they'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, maybe this proves how good the Cardinals team is. So better luck for the Titans next week, and Derek Henry needs to, uh, he needs to figure it out. It doesn't really matter if you're a fan of either of these guys. This was a really fun game to watch. I know Bubba hated to see the ending with Baker throwing the pick to end the game, but Chiefs and Browns was a really fun game to watch. Chiefs beat the Browns 33-29. to And, man, it's the same old story. Patrick Mahomes is just – he's a different breed. 27 for 36, 337 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Elaire looked good. Mahomes is – he's, like, majestic in the pocket. It's like watching a horse prance. Tyreek Hill, insane numbers for a receiver. If you had him on fantasy this week, good for you. 11 receptions for almost three yards shy of 200 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, good for you again. Two touchdowns, 76 yards. Um, I mean, that, like you were talking about, the, these kind of high-powered offenses in the NFL are, are kind of just starting to take shape within the last five years. But if you if you want one to watch, I would watch the Chiefs. They're they're fun to watch. And not taking anything away from the Browns, I think they're going to have a good season. Baker Mayfield's definitely on a mission, um, but he just couldn't find the end zone through the air. Nick Chubb with two rushing touchdowns, Cream Hunt with a rushing touchdown, and uh, Jarvis Landry with a rushing touchdown. Yeah, like you said, it 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 was painful just because you know they ran a spot to win the game. The Browns were leading at a leading at half and whatnot, but I don't know. I feel like they're in a spot kind of with the Cowboys this week. You know, you, you really hate moral victories, especially in football, man, because college you play 12 games, NFL now 17. But, man, it just it, – it's painful, but at the same time as a Browns fan or as these Browns 
the players are not going to – they're not taking more victories, I'm sure. But Browns fans and, you know, people that follow the Browns, how can you not kind of be a little satisfied and a little optimistic with the season going on? So good for Baker for having a – like you said, couldn't find the end zone, but for the most part having a pretty solid game, 75% completion, 300-plus. I'm excited. I'm excited for – to watch the rest of the year. I'm still standing by my Eagles fandom, but love love some Baker Mayfield. His hype video on Twitter was freaking awesome. Had me ready to run through a wall. The dude, the dude's awesome, and he loves proving people wrong. So excited to see the rest of the season for them. The Alabama quarterback duel, Tua playing against Mac Jones, Dolphins and Patriots. Dolphins come out of the game with a 17-16 victory. Really close game. Really good game. Um, had a couple people tweeting the the podcast Twitter. Mac Jones, he looked really good, man. I I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't a full believer. And that's really all I got. I mean, if you got anything to say about those, I know I know you like to follow Alabama players a little bit. So Yeah, I don't think uh you know, I don't think either quarterback had a bad game at all. Uh two had just thrown for two hundred, Mac for two eighty. Uh you know, great, great outing for Mac Jones. I think you want to see a little more better style play and better performance out of Tua. Got a, he's he's one and zero. Hard to complain there, but just just another wild thing to see about how many freaking Bama players are in the league. I feel like every game we click on and you know we want to look at the stats somewhere at the top of the stat chart, and a certain column is going to be a freaking Alabama player. And this one was the quarterbacks. Then you had freaking Damian Harris leading Russia in the game. Just insane. It's it's like they're taking over the damn league. Uh, Saban's going to end up being the dictator of the NFL or something insane is going to happen. But good for Bama people. I, I was getting sick and tired of seeing that damn – the uh, I, know, I know you know what I'm talking about. The damn picture from Alabama to uh, her. Oh, so- yeah, 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 yeah. I, I am a little sick of that, which I get it. Like I like I like following my dogs when they make it to the league and keep up with them. But like I've seen that picture since Mac Jones was going to the national championship, so it's a little <laughs> I, I feel you on that one. It's a little excessive, but hey, I definitely understand. You know, I mean, you got to rep and you can rep. Got to let them enjoy it. But yeah, I'm sick of that picture, the little group picture going around. We get it. They're all through in the NFL. We get it. We'll jump into the next game. Broncos and Giants, um, uh, uh, this is probably one of the games that didn't have very many viewers, but, man, I love watching Teddy Bridgewater. Um, the guy's just a good human being, gave a lot of money to uh, New Orleans and relief for Hurricane Ida. He was only there for two years, but he's got to be the New Orleans' favorite player that is not on the Saints anymore, besides maybe Drew Brees. Um, he looked good though. Twenty-eight for thirty-six, two hundred sixty-four yards, two TDs, and a big one for him is no picks. Um, Melvin Gordon was rushing eleven carries for one hundred and one yards. Jerry Judy looked good. He had seventy-two yards with six receptions. Um, Sucker. But man, when are the Giants gonna gonna decide that Daniel Jones just isn't the guy? Um, he's just not. He's He'd be a good backup, maybe, <laughs> maybe not even that. I just since he's gotten there, it's kind of like we we're talking about Emory Jones at Florida, which the play styles are completely different. But ever since he's got there, I just haven't seen it from him. 
and there's a certain point that you have to get as a coach, as a fan, um, and just understand that, you know, we need to go a different direction. And I think the Giants fans, maybe after this season, are, are really close to that. Yeah, uh, the only thing I got to say about the Broncos, well, Bridgewater is very fun to watch. Uh, I was glad I didn't turn the ball over for the Broncos' sake. But uh, rip Jerry Judy's ankle. Yeah. Really, really freaking tough, man. I freaking love that guy. Awesome route runner, can change direction so damn fast. Just a fun, a fun guy to watch. And I know a lot of people get pissed off at me because of how many Bama receivers I really enjoy watching. I, I don't I don't give a shit. He's one of my favorites. Been waiting on him to turn up at the Broncos and he did and gets hurt. But it did release Monday that it's not as bad as it could have been. And I think they're putting him at four to six weeks. Still sucks, but, you know, at least he's not out for the season, I guess. The Bears and the L.A. Rams. Andy Dalton, it's – I know you said it's your time, but I think I think Justin Fields is the guy for in Chicago. Um, this is kind of a year that I think he needs to be in the huddle, in the playbook. I think that they need to let him get his experience so when he does come in next year for a year that they really want to compete. I mean, they got a great defense, don't get me wrong. But I just think that Justin Fields is a guy through for 100%, you know, two for two, 10 yards. Andy Dalton didn't look bad, 27 for 38 with two, eh, 200 yards in him very much. And a pick. No end zone balls for, uh, for Andy Dalton. And on the other sideline, the Rams have to be – excited about the Matthew Stafford era. I don't really have anything just crazy to say. I think the Rams did what they were expected to do. They look good. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 20 for 26, not throwing the ball just a ton where you see, like, guys throwing 50, 60 times a game, but three for 321 yards and three TDs. Um, it, doesn't get really, it doesn't get much better than that. I got the Rams D for fantasy, and, and they look pretty good holding the Bears only 14. So what do you got on that one, Bubba? Probably just two words, man. The- Rams pop. Rams pop. They uh like you said, they did what they needed to do and they looked they looked stellar. So I think uh I think they just roll on to week two and keep proving what they need to prove. I saved this one for the last game to talk about on Sunday. <laughs> you thought the Saints were done. You thought the Drew Brees arrow just ended it. We're here. And if you and if you're a Saints hater. I got two words for you, Bubba. Tell them. Suck it. Yeah, you can suck it. Because Jabu, you might not have thrown for a country mile, but the guy looked good. Alvin Kamara is going to do his thing, was throwing at no names his whole career and scoring touchdowns. Okay, not no names. Shout out to the guys who caught a touchdown. Sean Payton, in my opinion, is the best offensive mind in the NFL. I know that's bias. But he proves it year in, year out. He went 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater. He put Taysom Hill in to start last year and went 3-1. and What more do you have to see from the guy of New Orleans? But what I was going to say is what I'm most proud about is how our linemen played on both sides of the ball. Um, you don't see Aaron Rodgers not score a touchdown. When's the last time that Aaron Rodgers didn't score a touchdown? They get a field goal before half, and that's all they can sniff the whole game. We were on them. Marshawn Lattimore locked down Devontae Adams, earns a big contract extension. I love to see it. I hated that we played in Jacksonville. You know, I'm glad that that Jacksonville was able to open it up for us. But, man, I cannot wait 
to get back in the Caesars Superdome and get it absolutely rocking for a Saints game. I don't think this is going to be telling of the Packers season, though. They're still a very good football team. Aaron Rodgers is going to figure it out. Um, Packers have a good defense. I, I just don't think that they were prepared for what the Saints dialed up, to be completely honest, Sunday. I don't think they really knew what to expect from Jameis. And Jameis looked – I mean, he looked good, but what I was most proud of is when he didn't see anything downfield, he didn't force anything. He didn't try and throw it into double or triple coverage or even single coverage with a with a tight man. Um, he looked really good, man. I was really happy with what I saw with the Saints. Yeah, a uh, big hoot at from my man, Joe G. I know he was, you know, with all the talks, that was a huge game for the Saints. I, I still can't believe they won by 35. Uh, I also can't believe or cannot fathom how Jameis Winston had five touchdowns with less than 150 yards. Yeah. Blowing my mind, but – I mean, he was 70% completion. Like, he did what he needed to do, and he got the ball in the end zone. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's a that's a struggle to get the ball in the end zone. So, good for him. And, uh, you know, I'm ready, I'm ready to see, you know, how week two pans out for both of these teams. I, I don't think it's a big, big deal to the Green Bay, kind of like how G said. I think they're still a good football team. I think Aaron Rodgers is a dog, as I've said many of times. I uh, do uh, I do worry about the trouble in Green Bay as far as with Aaron Rodgers and the coach still, and just all the all the guys kind of in the office and whatnot that he dealt with. I hope that doesn't become too big of a problem. But I think Aaron Rodgers, being the man he is, he'll be fine. Uh, I do want to say this has I don't know the stats exactly, but has to be one of Aaron Rodgers' worst games in his whole career. Yeah, I, I, mean, think, I, I think it is. I don't know how it gets much worse than. You know, he was right around 50% completion, 133 yards and two picks, no tutties, obviously. But I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, it can't get much worse for him. And last, but definitely not least, shout out Colin Hill, a little five carries, 14 yards. Had to throw that in there. Uh, he did fucking fumble the football. Hang on to the ball, Colin. Hang on to the ball and we'll play more. Who that? Who that, baby? I do, I do want to say it. I did see where it was Aaron Aaron Rodgers' largest margin of heat, 35 points. That's a lot. And I think this game proves, like, Aaron Rodgers is obviously going to be a first or second ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think there's anybody that would dispute that. But I think this shows how important it is to be at camp and be in those preseason games, whether it's for a drive, you know. And he has connections with those guys. He has connections with Devontae Adams, but he hasn't been around them as much as, as other quarterbacks have. And I think that that really does play a factor. And, you know, people tend to think that of these athletes as like superheroes. Aaron Rodgers should have came in the first week and thrown for 500 yards and 27 touchdowns. But the guy has to be there. I mean, he's got to build those relationships or he's got to cultivate those relationships and help them progress. And he, he was off on vacation with Miles Teller. I mean, you just got to, you got to be there. And also, I just want to say Colin Cowherd had the Saints going eight and nine. I just want to say publicly that Colin Cowherd is an idiot. Um, that'll take us to our last game. In my opinion, it was a game of the week. Monday night football, Raiders and Ravens. Probably when I saw it on the schedule, I didn't really think it was going to be a game of the week candidate. But it goes into overtime, and the Raiders somehow pull it out. I still think Derek Carr is not very good. 
Um, Lamar Jackson looked like he struggled a little bit. Um, but I mean, he's a player, he's going to figure it out. Um, I think that the Raiders did the Raiders secondary did a decent job of holding them in check. Um, Marquise Brown had a pretty good game though. And I definitely thought Lamar was going to, was going to get a chance to win it. And he, he threw that chance away. And then the Raiders go down and score on a, a, a crazy, crazy, uh, sequence of plays where they, get a penalty and then get down to the one yard line or whatever. And then they think they score and then they have to kick a field goal and then they get a delay game and they don't kick the field goal. And then they, I mean, it was just, it was just too much. You know, that's a, that's a Derek Carr game for you. And I do want to say before Bubba gets into this game, I really loved what ESPN did with the commentating, having the Manning brothers on and then inviting Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch on. Uh, I, I would love to see that get done more and, not just because I'm an Ole Miss fan and Eli Manning and Archie Manning went, which Archie wasn't even a part of it. But I think that's something like those two guys are clowns when they're together. And it's, it's really funny and it's great for the game of football to have those great minds come on and talk, you know, while they're showing their expressions and stuff. I saw Peyton Manning was just stressing out the whole game. Like he was the coach or something, but I I really love that. Uh, I think it was a cool dynamic to have those guys on and, and announcing and uh, that's all I got. What do you got, Bubba? Man, Lamar Jackson, you're creeping up my damn list, man. You're creeping up it. I liked you. I liked you. You know, your last game in college, dogs, see ya. You know, I wasn't going to hold that against you. I liked you. You fumbled the bag, not once, but twice. Had Ravens minus four, and the bet would not die. The bet was just staying alive. Looked like the Ravens were in a win by three. I texted a buddy that had the bet as well. I was like, man, we need, like, we need them to tie. We need them to hit this field goal. And sure enough, the Raiders hit the field goal and they tie it. And I'm like, all right, bet, we're going overtime. I got a chance to score a touchdown and we'll win. I'm like, coin toss. Coin toss is key here. Lamar wins this coin toss. He's scoring. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We lose the coin toss. I'm like, okay. Even if they kick a field goal, you know, I score if we can if we can score, you know, maybe it'll it'll pan out and I'll push or something'll happen. And anyways, all this crazy shit begins happening. Maybe the maybe the craziest football game I've ever watched. And they throw the bomb and it's touchdown is what it's called on the field. They're gonna take a look at it because it's obviously the game ending play. We got guys on the 50, helmets off, shoulder pads coming undone, shaking up, doing all their little, you know, all the BS they do. Both coaches are staying put because they know it's under review. They come back out, the ball's placed inside the one. They get a damn false start, backs them up five, next pass a little out of reach to a Raiders receiver goes off a Ravens face mask and is picked off in the end zone. Lamar Jackson's freaking out like Christmas morning, like, holy shit, like this game was over. They had already scored the touchdown. And they get the ball, and Lamar Jackson decides that he just doesn't want to score, that he just doesn't care to win this football game for all these wonderful, good-hearted gamblers across the country. And gives it back 
to the Raiders. And it it looks like there still could be a chance because they're not going to be able to, you know, they could miss a field goal, this and that. And Derek Carr throws one out of the freaking stadium and just comes down right into the hands of the Raiders receiver, touchdown, ball game. By far the most berserk game I'd ever – I remember seeing the NFL-wise just – the change of events, the fact that they were on the field, thought it was over. They run them back out there. We get a false start, a pick off a Ravens face mask that goes 15 feet in the air. Just an insane game. And Lamar Jackson, you know, just being the quick athletic guy he is and shifty guy, it's it's so obvious. It's almost like it is on Madden. He's got to hang on to the ball if he's going to do all the shifty moves and you know, he's going to be getting hit from angles that he's not looking because he's changing direction so often. So when guys are pursuing him, you know, they're going to, they're going to strip that ball. Then big linemen get there. If they come across, you know, their bicep to his forearm, he's not hanging on to that football. And, you know, his fumbles, his fumbles were bad. They they weren't like, they didn't really get punched out. They were just tackles that were stronger people when he dropped the ball. And I thought I really thought he was hurt on that last one. We just laid there face down in the grass for 10 seconds and finally got up and you can just tell I me mean, he knew he basically handed the game directly back to him. So tough break for Lamar. Uh, Lamar, watch yourself. Hold on to the ball. You're climbing. You're climbing my list. All right, dudes, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, it's obvious how much we appreciate it. It's freaking 12.30 past midnight. It's now Wednesday. I've started the podcast Tuesday. I have work at 7 a.m. I'm going to be miserable. But I love doing this. I love people giving the input back. We appreciate y'all. We appreciate all the Twitter likes, retweets, sharing it, listening to the podcast, following the podcast. I know you all enjoy our no sponsors ad at the end of every episode but today we're going to end the episode a little different we don't have a sponsor but we now do have nfl and college t-shirts or a sip with the dudes merch that you're able to purchase and i'm gonna let bubba go through it get you some they look cool so my dudes if you have made it to this part in the podcast that is a plus you're a real one if you follow, if you don't follow us on Twitter, that's uh, you're back to you're back to step one because that's an issue. But we did make the announcement on Twitter. We got college merch, uh, NFL merch as well. You hit us up in the DM, or if you have one of our numbers or whatever it may be, you can uh, text us your team. We can have a little interaction, sort out what color T-shirt you want, what color logo you want, what logo of your team you want, whatever you need done. We can do it. Uh, it's 20, 20 bucks for a short sleeve shirt, 25 for a long sleeve, and 40 bucks for a hoodie. So we, uh, we, got, we got whatever you need. We know fall's coming up, kind of already here. Winter's around the corner. So hoodies and long sleeves as well. Short sleeve just to chill around the house. Whatever you need, we got it. Let us know. Don't be afraid to ask, especially if it's a new team that we haven't done a logo for yet or whatever. That's awesome. You know, we want to branch out, do whatever team you need. And, uh, yeah, just hit us up and get your merch.